Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of daily fantasy sports and gambling. So you can stop Googling how to join a squid game to cover all those parlays you thought were such a sure thing. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Welcome to the show, everyone. It is Fight Night UFC 278. Kamaru Usman defending his welterweight title against Leon Edwards in a rematch from seven years ago. I can't believe it's been seven years since these guys fought. It it doesn't seem that long ago to me. I remember that first fight. But, I mean, in context, it has been quite some time because Usman has been on a 19-fight win streak. He basically... Uh, was a dominant wrestler uh, in that division when he was coming up the ranks and he beat Edwards, who was still relatively new in his UFC career. And, you know, over the years, Usman has been getting these higher profile fights because when he won the belt against Tyron Woodley, Usman was not a recognized name yet. But since that time, Here's here's the thing. He's gotten the money fights. He's he's basically been fighting Kobe Covington. He's fought Jose Ma, uh, Masvidal, and he beat uh, Gilbert Burns. Like in terms of his title defenses, so you've got uh, two two fights with Masvidal, two fights with Covington, and then there was the one over Burns where he basically beat the snot out of Burns with his striking and won the fight. You know. That's where it kind of comes down to. Meanwhile, Leon Edwards, he's been fighting pretty much everyone in the division. People remember the Nate Diaz fight. We don't talk about the Blah Muhammad fight because that ended up in a no contest uh, due to an uh, eye poke, uh, accidental eye poke uh, to um, Muhammad. Uh, and so Bilal never got that rematch because Edwards was just biding his time because Usman was taking all these money fights and not fighting Edwards. So now we finally have this matchup and the odds are minus 360 in favor of Usman. And I get it because if you watch the first fight or you remember the first fight, like I do, you know, Usman can wrestle. He's always been a good wrestler. It's a striking that's improved. Now, since that time, both guys have gotten better. You never have to worry about Kamaru Usman's cardio, and you don't have to worry about Edwards' cardio. Now, from a standpoint, Leon Edwards' takedown defense has tremendously improved. So when you kind of look down through the uh, the basic numbers and kind of go through uh, the stats, you know, Edwards has improved his takedown defense to 70%. Usman, of course, is 100%. He's never been taken down. Uh, and his accuracy with takedowns, part of it, the reason why it's only 49% is because he's fought Kobe Covington, who's also excellent at stuffing takedowns, which is why his percentage is lower than you would expect. Normally, based off of the guys he fights, that percentage for Usman's probably in the mid-60s. It's because he's been fighting... Uh, uh, Kobe Covington and was trying a bunch of takedowns. That's why the takedown accuracy stat sometimes is uh, 
misleading because you underestimate how good of a wrestler a guy is. But if you watch Usman in the Covington fights, he was trying to take Kobe down. Don't get don't get it twisted. He was trying to take Kobe down. Kobe was also trying to do the same. So like they were both canceling each other out. So then it became a striking battle. But that's where it 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 kind of works out. So you know it's uh, in terms of number of attempts uh, per uh, fifteen minutes. Usman averages six point one takedown attempts every fifteen minutes. Like that's why he's fifth in the division. And you know in terms of landing, he's fourth in the division. Uh, in terms of uh, landing takedowns. So, regardless, with all the time he spends in the octagon, a lot of Usman's fights go to a decision because of the fact that he's such a good wrestler. You know, he doesn't need to risk putting himself in danger to finish a fight. He's going to grind you out and get a W, which is what he's uh, been uh, comfortable doing. So... From my standpoint, the inside of this number is 110. I don't understand why this isn't being highlighted more. I do not see Kamaru Usman finishing Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards is a very talented striker. But why is Usman going to put himself in danger of getting of letting Leon get together enough combinations to put him in any sort of danger when he can just wrestle him and wear out Edwards over five rounds. This is a five-round fight. It's not three rounds. It's a five-round championship fight. There's so much more benefit to Usman just doing another wrestling match with Edwards. There's no need to go that route. And if you're Edwards, you're also not going to put yourself in a bad spot by trying to rush to strike with Usman and leaving yourself open to a takedown. So I think this plays out. Kind of like uh, you've seen with uh, some of the Covington fights where it ends up being a striking battle. Now, Edwards is going to have more success than Kobe because he's a more technical striker. But I do think Usman's going to be able to land some takedowns. And once he gets the fight to the ground, he can just smother him and not go too crazy with the finish. Like, you don't need to risk uh, getting, letting Leon Edwards out of a, a compromised position being on the ground. Edwards is going to have uh, a disadvantage there compared to Usman. Usman's going to just be able to hold him down there. Even if he doesn't go for a sub or anything else, he can just wail on him, get a couple of shots in. He's going to win on the, the judges' scorecard anyway. So from my estimation, yeah, you can bet Usman to win, but to, you know, the minus 360 doesn't make a ton of sense in my opinion. The finishing odds, plus 200, doesn't make a ton of sense in my opinion. The Edwards side is plus 295. Yeah, you can take a shot at Edwards, but I don't think he wins a point decision knowing what Usman's going to be able to do is take him to the ground. My thoughts on this is you bet the inside distance uh, and you go the opposite way. You you pick it the fight to go to the distance because the inside of the distance number is uh, 110. To finish uh, outside, uh, for it to uh, go to a decision, yeah, you're, you're basically at all... Almost even money. It's it's a minus one fifteen, but that's where I look at this fight. To me, this screams this fight is going to a decision. It's it's going to a decision. You know, there's no need to try to get cute with this and say, oh well, you know, it's uh, 
there, there, there's, there's a good chance that this this fight gets finished. Uh, like uh, this fight uh, goes to a, uh, get, ends inside of this. I, I just don't see the reality of that situation. There's not enough incentive for Usman to go with a crazy finish because Gilbert Burns emptied his gas tank to try to finish Usman. I don't think Edwards is going to try that approach. That's just not his fighting style. He's a far more technical striker than uh, pretty much anyone that Kamaru Usman has gone up against. And that includes Masvidal. Because, you know, for all the Masvidal supporters, Edwards, in my opinion, that's another fight people want to see. But I think, personally, Edwards pieces up Jorge Masvidal. I I just think he's a far more technical striker than Jorge. And so some of the areas where Jorge was getting blitzed and, you know, yeah, he landed some shots on Kamaru, but like the reason why Jorge got knocked out completely by Kamaru was the fact that Jorge was getting sloppy and was just leaving punches out there with his chin up. That's not going to happen with Leon Edwards, in my opinion. I, I just don't see that scenario playing out in that fashion. So with that in mind, and yet Edwards knows that Usman has developed his power. And the other piece of this that people, again, aren't taking into account. Yes, we saw Usman knock out Jorge Masvidal. But since then, Kamaru Usman has had hand surgery. So we don't know how strong that hand's holding up. And this is his first real fight with since that hand surgery. He may not want to go full out and possibly risk injuring his hand again. Especially when he's contemplating going up in weight class and maybe fighting uh, Israel Adesanya at middleweight, or just going all the way up to 205 and competing there. There's a possibility he could do that. Like, there are other areas where Usman can go after this fight. So to me, I just don't see Usman risking injury by going too crazy for a finish when he knows he can get a decision victory here. So to me, the play is... You can bet this fight to go to uh, a decision. And I think Usman wins the decision. So Usman winning via decision is minus 150. I think that's a... Uh, a- actually, sorry. Uh, it's uh, going to a decision is minus 150 overall. And uh, Usman to win by decision is minus 120. I think the minus 120 number is too low. For Usman, to be honest, I think that's the most likely scenario for Usman to win this fight is by decision. So you could pay them uh, minus uh, uh, 360, or you could just pay the minus 20 to, for him to win by decision, and then you hope it's it's a relatively boring fight, which I don't think it will be boring, but like I know for the fight fans who think every decision uh, championship fight is boring, and they want to see more action over five rounds, and like... Guys, like, on the verge of getting knocked out. I know some fans consider that to be boring. I don't. But, you know, just kind of knowing how this fight plays out, I think Usman is wrestling a ton in those 25 minutes. And you're probably going to see somewhere between 8 to 10 minutes of ground control on the ground for Usman, where he's just kind of wailing on uh, uh, Leon Edwards, and Edwards is trying to get to his feet. I, I think it's a very real concern. And then from a DFS perspective, Usman being 9,100, I think it bears in mind that, you know, in the scenario I'm playing out, 
Usman becomes one of the best plays on DraftKings uh, at his price tag. FanDuel, it's a little bit higher at $23, but at DraftKings, you've got a couple of dudes priced above Usman, and he's in the same price range as a number of fighters that I think Usman's one of the best plays on the board uh, today. Now, from the Carl Edwards side, I mean, the Le- I'm saying Carl Edwards, Leon Edwards side of this, here's where it really boils down to. Leon has to land enough strikes. And, and I mean, it doesn't even have to be necessarily significant strikes, although we, we all know, well, most of you may know if you're really following MMA in detail, that a jab does not count as a significant strike. Lord knows why it doesn't count as a significant strike when you can see how well effective a, a jab can be <laughs> on a guy's face at the end of a fight. But jabs don't aren't considered significant strikes. Be that as it may, the issue with uh, Leon Edwards is he is a slightly taller fighter with a shorter reach than Usman. Basically, Leon has to find a way even though he's primarily going to uh, be jabbing on guys, he's got to figure out a way of getting enough low leg kicks. And again, dangerous to do this when you're going up against a striker. So it makes it very tricky. But Leon Edwards had to find a way with a shorter reach to basically get enough in the way of strikes where... You know, he's a younger fighter. He's 30 to 35. Like, he's got to find a way of making this not necessarily a scrap uh, because a scrap favors Usman, but a technical striking match where he can kind of keep Usman at length, hit him with a couple of shots, duck in and out, and make sure that Usman is unable to actually get in the way of uh, taking him down and just outpoint him. Because to me, this is how Carl, uh, uh, Leon Edwards actually gets in there. He basically has to find a way of turning this into a fight where uh, Usman can't get into any sort of rhythm. So that really requires to, to pitch a perfect game, if you will, in terms of striking, takedown defense, and scrambling. Because Usman is going to land a takedown at certain points of the fight. But, like, Leon just has to scramble for his life and get right back up to his feet so that folks don't really give Usman credit for control of a round just because he got a takedown. If Leon can get to his feet as soon as possible, that would make all the difference in the world. So, to me, that's where this has to go. Now, if Leon somehow pulls off the upset, the uh, the, it, it, the, <laughs> the the thing of it is, is that because of the strikes he's going to land, because of his price tag at seventy one hundred, because we've got a bunch of underdogs on this card that probably have low likelihood odds of winning, this uh, this literally turns into if Leon wins, he's probably on the optimal for DFS scoring, especially on DraftKings, because he's only seventy one hundred. You can fit in a bunch of favorites with Leon, and you know if Leon can get it done, there you go. So that's where I kind of look at this fight as 
it's pretty straightforward. If Leon could somehow get enough technical strikes in, he's going to win the fight as long as Kamaru doesn't land like a takedown with significant time on the clock. He can land a takedown towards the end of a round, but if Leon has the effective strikes during the round where Kamaru is unable to land the takedown until the very end of a round, judges are more likely to give a round to Leon in that fashion. So that's where I see this going. But I just don't necessarily see have from a game theory standpoint. Maybe Leon can throw that kind of perfect game maybe 15% of the time. Maybe 25, like, maybe, like, if Kamaru's having an off night, 25%. I just don't see, like, that's why, from an odds perspective, the line's a little wide for Kamaru, but it's not crazy. But the issue I have is, Leon, it, he has to do so many things well in order to beat Kamaru, and I don't think Kamaru even has to have a B-plus match. He just needs to needs a B. He can get by with a B. I think he, Leon needs an A+. plus. Like That's kind of the way I look at it. It's not because Leon's that inferior of a fighter. I just think it's that much harder for him because he has to do everything from striking, and I don't think he necessarily hurts Usman enough to finish him either. That, that's just not Leon's type of game where he's hitting power shots. So that's where I think he's just got to be precise yet accurate and not get caught with any mistake. Like again, it's it's a lot to ask. Leon can do it. I just don't necessarily see it as a likely scenario. But if he can, Leon at a plus uh yeah, he was uh plus 900 to win via decision. I don't think Leon can finish Kamaru Usman, just point blank. So, I don't buy the plus 450 uh uh, to finish inside the distance for Leon Edwards, I think this is a plus 900. He somehow ekes out a decision victory over Kamaru Usman. That, to me, would be the way to go. Not trying to finagle a way where uh, Car- uh, Leon Edwards, man, I, I'm thinking of NASCAR because I was building NASCAR lineups today. Um, but um, uh, that's where I think Leon Edwards can uh, make the most uh, significant work done. And from a betting standpoint, if you want to go with the dog, go with uh, Leon Edwards by decision at plus 900. All right, so let's just start off with uh, going back down on the undercard here with uh, the prelim. So uh, we'll have uh, Daniel Da Silva taking on Victor Altamirano. Uh, Basically, uh, you've got a couple of guys unranked in um, the featherweight division. But, um, you know, realistically, the the area that uh, Altamirano, uh, he's, he's essentially uh, going to be up against a dude that is very reckless in Daniel, uh, Daniel Da Silva. Uh, basically, Da Silva has been in 14 fights and has never actually made it to the judges' scorecard, which is kind of insane when you think about it. I mean, you've got a 11-3 record. He's either knocked out a dude, uh, subbed him, 
or just been finished or not. Like he's never made it to a judge's scorecard yet. He's got an average fight time of less than five minutes. Like, so not only does this dude not get to a decision, he doesn't even make it out of the first round. He does not make it out of the first round. So this is the fight that I'm looking at to target in terms of DFS, because if pretty much we've got a guy who either wins in the first round or gets taken out in the first round, you're going to get 90 points for a win in DFS. So to me, the winner of this fight should be on the optimal because you're going to get 90 for a win in the first round in on DraftKings scoring. So to me, what happens is that, you know, uh, uh, Lacerda, uh, Daniel Da Silva, or Lacerda, Lacerda like he uh, he he did a name change, but like Daniel Da Silva just pushes a crazy pace, but he gasses out. So, like if he gets uh, like that's why his average fight time is less than five minutes because if he gets past round one, he's done. He gasses out in the first round. And so every time he's gone in the second round, he's been obliterated because he gasses out. So he just gets finished. <laughs> That's part of the reason why he can't get to a decision, too, is that he doesn't have the cardio for it. Now, Altamirano, basically, I I, I look at this where um, he uh, he bas- he basically lost uh, his UFC debut to Carlos Hernandez, who isn't all that much to write home about, but the area I look at it is that again, uh, Altamirano has decent enough, uh, takedowns. Like he averages, uh, about six takedowns every 15 minutes, uh, as well as the Silva. So like, they're both active. But my thing is if I got a guy who has no takedown defense, which the Silva and his professional career uh, has been unable to stop any takedowns, which is part of his uh, issue in the UFC. Every almost everyone in the UFC can take it, pe- people down. As bad as it, even if you're a bad wrestler, even the bad wrestlers know how to take people down. I, I just don't see how the Silva at this level of competition is going to um to get it done because the uh, Silva. Lost to Francisco Figueredo. Um, yes, the the brother of Davison Figueredo. I mean, and uh, I mean Nelson Figueredo. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I so we'll see Francisco coming up on the car. Talk about another guy who has no cardio. Um, but yeah, this is a weird fight because yeah, De Silva can be on the optimal, get a finish in the first round, or he can get finished in the first round, or get absolutely get smashed in the second round by Alta Morano. Alta Morano is only 8,600. I'm going to have be overweight on him. And again, these guys are pretty much going to be a lock in my builds. I'll have more exposure to Alta Morano, but Lacerda, uh, the Silva, however you want to say it, is going to be in the mix too. So I'll probably have about uh, 25%, uh, the Silva Lacerda and Alta Morano is probably going to be the, the other 70 to 75%. I, it's just, I don't see how with a guy, and it's a minus 250. We're going to get another 
uh, fight with an even higher inside the, the distance finish. But this fight, I don't see how it doesn't finish inside the distance. Even the minus 250 seems light. Uh, just because the Silva doesn't seem to have any gas tank. So I don't see how this fight doesn't finish inside the distance when you've got a guy with no cardio fighting. We're going to have a couple of these fights where there are guys with no cardio fighting uh, someone that actually has cardio. So to me, that's always bets where just finish inside the distance. You can even parlay it. Anyway, moving on. Moving on, we have... uh, uh, we have a matchup that I really don't have a ton of uh, killing a Lowry versus uh, taking on Jay Perrin at 135. Uh, here, here, here's the long and short of it. At Bantamweight, you've got a striker uh, uh, killing versus a wrestler in Perrin. Killing has the nickname of the Mongolian Murderer. The only problem with that nickname is that he hardly ever uses that, uh, lives up to that moniker of just mangling people. He basically just fights to the, to a decision because, you know, his striking, yeah, he probably knocked out dudes on the regional level, but in, like, so far what I've seen out of him from the UFC level, like, his power is nothing to write home about. So this is one where I kind of look at it from the standpoint of, You've got uh, a case where a wrestler might actually be able to wait in this one. So on a card with not a whole ton of uh, underdogs, Parent is plus 120. Uh, Killing is minus 140. Inside the distance, uh, odds are plus 130. You know, this is just one of those where it's just like... Gotta take a shot. Does the wrestler get enough takedowns to win a three-round fight? Possibly. Uh, you know, takedown defense is has been pretty solid uh, in terms of uh, Alec King. I just, I just don't see a ton in this fight. It's not like Jay Perrin is is a good wrestler. It's just one of those where like you're just trying to find some value on. This slate where, you know, you've got a couple of fights with decent enough odds uh, spreading out. So, to me, I'm not going to have too much interest from a betting interest because I don't necessarily trust most fighters. But from a DFS standpoint, I can definitely see myself uh, being more on the parent side uh, just because of uh, the pricing at uh, $7,700 um, and kind of go from there. Now, uh, next up, we've got Amir uh, Albazi versus uh, Francisco Figueredo. Remember, I th- brought him up before at Featherweight. Um, Davison Figueredo's brother, Francisco, is not very good. Um, he is like uh, just being pretty, pretty uh, uh, honest. It's like Amir Albazi uh, has been away from the USC for quite some time, but. The reason why he's a minus 4035 favorite is because everyone knows Francisco Figueredo is not good. And the only reason why he's in the UFC is because of his brother and to keep his brother happy. Uh, we'll see if Davison is still going to be hanging around the UFC <laughs> like in a, in a while. Uh, you know, we'll see. We shall see. Um, it's just, uh, it's interesting. Uh, because of the Moreno fight, uh, obviously Moreno winning, 
Uh, we'll see what happens with Figueredo if he can still make weight in that division. But, um, you know, in the meantime, you got his brother around. I, I think Albazi wins this one easily. Um, Figueredo, terrible cardio. Um, but as we saw in the, uh, uh, the Silva fight, he won because, I mean, the Silva just has no cardio. And Figueredo, while he doesn't have cardio, his cardio was just slightly better that he could actually sub him uh, in that second round after getting his ass kicked in the first round. Figueredo was just getting blitzed in that fight. And uh, the Silva gassed out. So, uh, give me Albazi. Like, you know, he's been away for a year and a half, but I would rather take the guy who's been away for a year and a half that I know can actually fight for a bit than the guy I know for a fact cannot fight beyond the first round. Just give, give me uh, Albazi. Uh, a lot unless Figueroa's up against another guy with no gas tank, which is not the case here. Get, give me Albazi. I'll just take the L, um, you know, for him of DFS standpoint. The only reason why I'm, I wouldn't be on Albazi on all my lineups it's just because of the 9200 price tag. Because you try to fit in all these underdogs, it's hard to get guys in. I just think his ceiling is lower than a guy like Usman, but it doesn't mean that Albazi isn't going to score well. I, it's just a matter of, like, to ship a, a GPP tournament, um, you know, you're, you're going to have to get creative, and it's not necessarily a guarantee that Albazi is going to be on the winner. That That's the only knock against them. All right. So next up, we got AJ Fletcher versus Ange Lusa. Eighty four hundred for Fletcher, seventy eight hundred for Lusa on DraftKings. Eighteen versus thirteen on a FanDuel. Fletcher minus one fifty favorite. Lusa uh, plus one thirty. Again, one of the few fights that's actually close odds wise that we might have interest in. Uh, Lusa basically. Is <laughs> this is the, this is the interesting part about this? We've got guys who are not necessarily great wrestlers; they can strike. It really kind of comes down to who lands the punch. I kind of like this from a game theory standpoint. You take Lusa, who is basically throwing a little over eight significant strikes around. You've got Fletcher, who's gonna try to do some takedown. But isn't actually a good wrestler. So this is this is the, the problem when you've got guys at 170 who aren't necessarily skilled. They're going to be outside uh, outside the rankings. I like Lusa mainly because he has enough power to finish off Fletcher, and I don't think Fletcher's takedown is good enough to actually get Lusa down. So like, yes, well, I have some exposure to Fletcher, sure, but I actually like Lusa in this one. It allows me to get guys like Albazi. It allows me to fit in Usman. And I can be a little bit more flexible when I take uh, someone like Lusa. And, you know, I don't necessarily have to go as crazy. And it allows for that mid-tier build to happen if you take a guy like Lusa. Yes, you can play some Fletcher as well to kind of hedge. But I think uh, Lusa is probably the best dog that has a chance of winning. I know the parent odds are closer. Don't get me wrong. But I like Luce's odds of finishing better than Perrin. Uh, even though this uh, fight, the finish inside the distance, is only plus 120. 
I still think there's a better chance of this fight finishing inside the distance than the Perrin Alaking fight. I think Alaking, uh, as I said before, is just one of those guys that gets to a decision and it doesn't really score that great from a DFS standpoint. So uh, it it's probably the only thing that uh, I, I think it might might make uh, worthwhile. But yeah, it wouldn't shock me to see Fletcher win, but. You know, you, you got to take some chances on a card like this. Uh, I think going uh, overweight on Lusa is uh, one of the better options you can try to do on, on the card. Next up, Luis Saldana versus Sean Woodson. Another guy, low cardio in Luis Saldana. Uh, Woodson, minus 340 favorite. Not that Sean Woodson is that good either. But again, again, it's a guy like Luis Saldana at 145. Saldana literally only has one round of cardio and i know this because i saw this dude get submitted uh by <laughs> lower quality competition i i just don't get this uh this this <laughs> this is a card where you basically see a bunch of dudes that have lost fights because they have no cardio i, I you know it is it's that simple saldana is 7400 i expect a lot of people to be on saldana because of that price tag um, yes, I expect people to be on um, Leon Edwards as well, but I think you'll see a lot of builds with Leon Edwards and Saldana just to fit in more 9K guys. Saldana, you know, is pretty much going to use light kicks. Woodson's more of a boxer. I don't really like either guy, but I think Woodson edges out a decision because he'll just be able to pump out more volume with strikes. But he's not a great wrestler, so I don't get the. Uh, I really don't get the minus three forty. I think the line's a little too wide in that three forty range. But the inside the distance finish is only minus one hundred five because Woodson doesn't really do that great wrestling wise. So to me, it's just one of those things where you know he's not going. He, he's he's not going to take anyone down. He's just going to box and. He's not that like he can knock people out. Don't get me wrong. It's just you know he goes to a lot of decisions. You know he's nine and one, but five of his wins have been by decision. Like he's not really a, a yes. He he won his last fight by a knockout like a over a year ago, but again, not a real. I'm I'm sorry. It's just like this is one of those fights I want to stay away from because. Woodson doesn't really impress me that much as a fighter, but at the same time, Saldana, I know, isn't going to win a decision because he doesn't have the cardio. So I, I'll take Woodson if I'm betting, but that line's too wide. I, you know, I just, Woodson by decision basically would be the play here. And at that price range, Woodson by decision is actually uh, plus 120. Um, so I, I would actually go that route. All right, moving on. A fight that I have no interest in covering. Lucy Podolova versus Wu Yanan. Basically, this fight was moved uh, from the prelims to the main card because they wanted to take another fight that I was going to talk about later, but I'll talk about it coming up next between Alexander Romanov and Marcin Tybura. This fight got moved to uh, the prelims because the prelims are going to be on a ABC. This Lucy Podova fight and Wu Yanan. Neither one of these fighters have won anything. Like, this is bathroom break time. Like, this is 
low-level MMA, but they didn't have that many women's fighters on there, and we lost the other uh, women's fight between Miranda Maverick and Shauna Young. That fight was actually worth talking about. This fight, absolutely nothing worth talking about here. And it's just not me being mean. It's just it's two plus 230 to finish inside the distance. That's all you need to know. Like, neither one of these fighters finishes people. They're, they're winless in the UFC. I, I like I think they've got like a combined record of oh and six in the UFC. Oh no 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 I, no I'm mistaken. The, the the combined record is three and nine in the UFC. Apparently they did actually win UFC fights, but the, the fights were so bad that again I can't remember any of the. All I remember are their losses, and their losses are horrific, like bad losses, like. We're getting ragdolled losses. It, like, again, there are excellent women's MMA fights. This is not one of them. I'm moving on. I can't. <laughs> like, I, I can't. I can't. Like, it, they're 8,300 to 7,900. You are burning. Listen, if one of these fighters ends up being in the optimal for DraftKings, so be it. But my personal opinion is you are burning money even trying to bet this fight for a winner. Or play this fight for DFS purposes because neither one of these fighters has shown any sign of reliability that I, I could actually recommend wagering any sort of money on whatsoever. That's all. Next up, Marcin Tybura and Alexander Romanov. The, the fight that should have been on the pay-per-view that's going to be in the prelims. Tybura, 7200 on DraftKings, $10 on FanDuel. Romanov, 9K on DraftKings, $20 on FanDuel. Romanov, a minus 340 favorite. Lines wide. It opened at minus 240 in favor of uh, Romanov, and it swelled up to minus 340. Romanov averages six takedowns per 15 minutes. He's got very good wrestling. Uh, When he gets on top of you, he is very good on ground and pound. The issue that... I run into with this is Romanov gassed horrifically against Juan Espino uh, not too long ago. It, it was uh, the the thing of it was is that Romanov was the dude. If you have been watching fights, he took a low blow from Espino and then used that low blow as an excuse to get out of the fight and go to a technical decision victory because of the low blow, because he was gassed. It was crazy. Like he, he was clearly winning the fight, but he was so gassed that Espino was almost on the verge of winning the fight until he hit, uh, he, he gave uh, Romanov a low blow. And then Romanov said he could no longer continue to fight. I don't know. Uh, I think his last time out, like, uh, because after that fight, he had the fight against Chase Sherman, who is very low level uh, at heavyweight. And, you know, he took out he took out Sherman. But the I- issue with Romanov is that Tybura is the best fighter he's ever gone up against. And, yes, Tybura is only nine and six. I get that. But Tybura has been in there with some killers over the years. He's always been kind of a gatekeeper. 
We'll see if Romanov is the real deal, but Tybura has a 78 reach. Uh, Romanov's 75. So Romanov's going to try to get this to the ground. But Tybura, again, leg strikes, punching reach. He can grind out a decision victory with strikes, and his takedown defense is 82%. He he stuffed takedowns it, like uh, often. So it's not as though he's un, uh, not used to going up against wrestlers. Romanov, we have yet to see him go against this caliber of wrestler. I'm not convinced yet that Romanov is the real deal. I'm going to have exposure to Romanov. Don't get me wrong. Because at 9K and his ability to take, if he can take down Tybura regularly and keep him controlled, Romanov can easily be on the winner too. So it's just one of those, you have to mix and match these uh, some of these favorites, but Romanov might be my least favorite of the favorites. There's another guy I'll get to in Tyson Pedro, uh, but like Mike, uh, that I have concerns with just from a pricing standpoint. But from a night case standpoint, with a wrestler, again, because of how many takedowns he can get, he gets people down, but he hasn't necessarily holding them. So, like, he like he'll take you down. He'll do some ground and pound. He'll get a little reckless. You get back up. Then he takes you down again. Ground and pound some more. You might get back up. He'll take you down again. Like it'll kind of go like that. So it does. It's not like true ground control all the way through. So that's something to kind of bear in mind as we go into it. So I like Romanov. We'll see how uh, the fight goes, but it is expected to finish inside the dis- uh, distance at minus one sixty five. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But um, I'm going to take a quick break. So, uh, uh, and uh, finish out the rest of these fights, but uh, uh, stay tuned, uh, and uh, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, and we are back. So uh, continuing on with the card, we've got Marab uh, <laughs> uh versus uh, Jose Aldo. Aldo, I mean, just one of the goats of the 135 division. In his 40s now, I mean, long, long career. You know, it's just one of those things where he's just been in the mix in so many wars over the years. Jose Aldo, you know, you never count out in the fight. But Marab is the up-and-coming guy. He's excellent wrestler. 8,200. If Jose Aldo gets a win, it's because he finishes, finishes Marab in the first round. I can't see Jose Aldo at his age holding up cardio-wise just because it is so hard 
just to keep making those weight cuts that Aldo is doing at his age. Like, it, it, you know, it's just being honest. It's, it's being honest about where you are in your career that, you know, and I'm saying he, he's in his 40s. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm putting some age on him. Uh, if, in fight, in he's not forty, but he's had over, uh, he's had almost forty fights in his career. Um, he's thirty five, but he's fought thirty nine times. Thirty nine, like it's a lot of fights and a lot of mile. Like you get, here's where I'm getting at. When you've had so many fights, and again, your average fight, his Jose's all those average fight times fourteen minutes. He's had so many minutes in the octagon, so many blows. Like, he's taken a lot of damage in his career. I have a very hard time backing Jose Aldo in a three-round fight against the wrestler at this point. He need he needs to be in there with strikers. Like, the UFC knows what they're doing. Jose Aldo has excellent takedown defense. He's at 90%. It was, it was very hard to take down Jose Aldo for a time. Like, uh, Frankie Edgar knows how hard it is. But here's the problem. Now at this stage of his career, it, like the the takedown stats don't mean nearly as much. The takedown defense stats don't matter nearly as much to me as I, I'm using. Marab, <coughs> while he's fought lower level competition, this is a major step up. Marab pushes a crazy pace and constantly goes for takedowns. This is what has me worried about breaking the slate. I'm going to be extremely overweight on this fight because the price tags are too low. Either Marab has a bunch of takedowns and control time, or Jose knocks Marab the hell out in the first round, scores over 100 points at 8K, you're going to ship the slate with that. Most likely, as long as you play your cards right with some of these other prices, like, fading this fight, to me, is insanity, in my opinion, from a DFS standpoint. Like, they're both in the mid-range. No one wants to take a loss here because they're so uh, closely priced. It's almost a pick em. But to me, this is this is big boy stuff. It's like you have to pl- if you're playing DFS, you have to. Uh, if you're playing one lineup, uh, so be it. You just d- d- choose your poison as to where you want to go. But if you're playing multiple lineups, I think you need to have both sides of this lineup because I can easily see the scenarios where uh, Jose Aldo gets the first round finish, scores over 100, and I can see the scenarios where Marab grinds on Aldo, wins a decision, and scores over 130 points. That is a very real possibility. At 8200, he could d- completely destroy the slate. Maybe he only gets to uh, m- mid uh, mid uh, mid teens in the one uh, in the 100 It's like 115, 116. Maybe that happens. But I don't see him scoring under 100 in the win. I think both guys are scoring over 100 in the win. So at the price tags that they're at, I think it's just crazy not to have exposure to them. Yeah, if you get the wrong side of the coin, yeah, your score is going to suck, and you're done. <laughs> like from a ca- cashing standpoint, a GPP. But I just think it's reckless not to play those guys. So that's just uh, the way I'm approaching it. Next up, we got Jared Gordon facing Leonardo Santos. Yet another fight with guys with bad cardio. Leonardo Santos, 42 years old, seventy three hundred and twelve dollars on Fanduel. Uh, versus Jared Gordon, eighty nine hundred on DraftKings, nineteen dollars on FanDuel. Gordon minus two sixty five favorite. This is is scheduled to finish inside the distance at minus one ten. 
listen, is Jared Gordon good? Not necessarily. But Leonardo Santos got choked out by Clay Guida because he was dominating. Uh, Santos was dominating Clay Guida so badly that basically everyone thought the fight was done. Even I thought the fight was done because Clay Guida, you know, if you've ever seen Clay Guida fight, he has no power. He's not a good submission guy. He got his ass kicked. But what does Clay, Clay Guida do, do? Push the pace. Santos, absolutely no gas tank. So even though he beat the snot out of Clay Guida, he couldn't finish Guida. Guida kept pushing the pace. And Santos was so tired, he wanted it out of there in the worst way possible. And he tapped out due to exhaustion. He got subbed by Clay Guida. Guida didn't even have the choke in. The choke wasn't even locked in. Santos tapped out because it was close enough. And he literally was so tired, he wanted nothing to do with that fight. And he tapped out without the choke actually being in. Watch the tape. Watch the tape. Clay Guida did not have a choke in. <laughs> Santos just tapped out. At 42 years of age, he has one round of gas tank in him. Could he take out Jared Gordon? Absolutely. And if he takes out Jared Gordon, he's going to be in the optimal. Here's the problem. Jared Gordon can survive that first round. And if he does, you live bet Jared Gordon. Don't take Jared Gordon minus 265. You watch this fight. If Gordon gets to the second round, you live bet whatever the number is at. Now, if he dominates Santos in the first round, look out. It's like, I don't expect it to happen, but it's like, remember what I said about Marab possibly scoring 130? If Gordon wins the first round convincingly, if this gets to into a second round where Gordon is able to get him down again and just wail on him with control time, that's also a 130 score. And then the slate's over. <laughs> like, it, like that's what I'm saying. This fight has a number of fights with guys with no gas tank that if they get in any trouble and it goes into round two, you can have optimal scores being posted by multiple dudes before you even get to the main event. And then Usman might not be able to get there even with five rounds. That's the crazy part about this uh, slate. So from my perspective... Um, Gordon has been KO, KO'd uh, in four of his last five losses. You know, there's easily a scenario where Gordon gets taken out, um, and it wouldn't shock me. In his last, uh, in his last uh, uh, ten fights, Gordon is, uh, yeah, I want to say, yeah, he he was, yeah, he was a uh, uh, four in. Yeah, yeah, six, uh, six and four in his last ten fights. Um, it's just one of those things where Santos just doesn't have the gas tank. If he can just win the first round and take out Gordon and hurt him, Gordon, like I said, Gordon's been knocked out multiple times. It is not a lock that Gordon at eighty nine hundred uh, gets there. But if it gets into a second round and Gordon can just take him down again and just control him. That that score should be massive to pay off that eighty nine hundred price tag. That's what makes this slate so dangerous. Guys can look like crap for one round and then turn it around and they actually get there because I think if this fight gets to because there's a real chance Gordon's even if he loses the first round badly in the second round he may not be able to finish Santos but have dominant control time and if he gets to a third round that's where you really got to worry about Gordon smashing the slate and uh, being the highest scoring fighter because Santos, if it goes into a third round, I Santos, you, you might be best ser- hoping that Santos quits on the stool 
if it gets to a third round. That's that's how questionable his gas tank is at this point. So I'm just saying there's a real chance <laughs> Santos does not see this at the end of this fight. So I'm just saying the inside of distance number of minus 110 is way too low. Uh, this should be closer to minus 400, in my opinion. Just being perfectly honest, I cannot see Santos even remotely getting to a decision. And Jared Gordon is so suspect in terms of uh, damage he takes. I don't, I don't see where <clears throat> he, he gets to the stage where uh, Santos, if he gets Gordon in trouble, he can't get him out there unless it's in the second round. Like I just don't think Santos has the gas thing to take out Gordon in the second or third round. But I think Gordon can control him. So, <laughs> like, it, it, you, the, if you're betting, if you're going to bet on Santos, first round knockout prop is the way to go. I don't see him winning this in any other fashion other than first round knockout. And just take the first round knockout prop at um, plus 800. Plus 800 for a first round knockout prop? Not crazy. I would like that bet for Santos. Than anything else you bet Santos on for this fight. I would not take Santos to win in any other fashion than by first round knockout. Um, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe uh, knockout or sub, I mean, I should say. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't see Santos winning this fight in any other fashion other than first, <laughs> like first round finish. It just, it, I just don't see it happening. Um, Gordon, I can see him finishing the fight uh, just because. We saw what happened when Guida pushed uh, Santos. Gordon can very much do the same. Guida's basically done at this point in the UFC. Um, I, don't, I don't know what else to say about this fight. Next up, Tyson Pedro, $9,500, on FanDuel. A minus 730 favorite against Harry Hunsucker at heavyweight. Minus 1,400 to finish inside the distance. I'm going to say that again. Minus 1,400 to finish inside the distance. Uh, like, what What else do we say? The under one and a half rounds is minus 350. Huntsucker is a terrible uh, heavyweight fighter. Tyson Pedro, not exactly a name brand heavyweight, but Harry Huntsucker is bad enough where, you know, this is just at light heavyweight, you know, Hunsucker, maybe he has a better chance than he did at, at finding at heavyweight and getting his weight down. Other than that, Harry Hunsucker is just going to throw haymakers, hope he lands one on Pedro. It's not like Pedro's this beast, but everyone knows Harry Hunsucker isn't very good. So that's part of the reason why Pedro's priced at 9500 on DraftKings, because the line was minus 730. You cannot bet this line. Like Tyson Pedro, no... There's no way Tyson Pedro should ever be a minus 730 favorite. You can play a hot, like just a hunch on Harry Hunsucker at plus 530. And to be honest, he's not winning a decision. So if you're betting this, it better be by KO, which is plus 800 to finish. And most likely, it'd be Harry Hunsucker to finish in round one. Because it'd basically be Harry Hunsucker to hit, hit a haymaker in round one and knock out Pedro at plus 1,200. That, that's really what it comes down to. Just landing a haymaker and praying. <laughs> but realistically, Pedro should finish inside the distance in round one 
and that line is minus 200. That would be the way to go if you were betting this, in my opinion. Uh, because I'm not in the prayer business when it comes to betting. I'm in the business of making money. The The money play here is just take the minus 200 for Tyson Pedro to finish in the first round. The question is, can he pay off value at 9,500? He's not a great wrestler. He's not a great striker. But his opponent is weak enough where Pedro should get the job done. It's just that at 9,500, I think there are multiple guys who are going to outscore him. That's my only issue. Now, if a bunch of guys bust, then... Yeah, maybe Pedro does end up in the winner at 9,500. Maybe he gets the knockout bonus to win inside of a minute. It's possible. I'm not going to say it's... In, it, it, I'm, I'm not saying it's unlikely. I think it's unlikely. But because of how reckless Hunsucker is when he just goes in just trying to lob bombs, if that chin's exposed, he can get clipped. Now, to finish things off, speaking of getting clipped, we got Luke Rockhold fighting again. Man, Luke is Luke Rockhold. Like for those of you who don't remember Luke Rockhold, thirty-seven years old, former Strike Force champion. Uh, you know, had been the mainstay middleweight and has been away from the fight game for over three years. I just don't really know what to make of this. Um, his last fight was get, was against Jan Blahovitz when Blahovitz was uh, fighting at middleweight. And y'all wasn't even playing, fighting that well. Um, Rockhold has one of the worst chins in MMA. He gets knocked out by pretty much everyone. Michael Bisping knocked out Luke Rockhold. I'll just put it at that, that. Michael Bisping does not knock people out, and even he knocked out Luke Rockhold. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. Like that's how Bisping won. The, the, that's how Bisping won his title. <laughs> Knock it out Luke Rockhold. He won a middleweight knocking out Luke Rockhold. Because people thought Luke Rockhold, and I was one of them, I thought Rockhold was going to win that fight because I knew Bisping's a decision fighter. But Luke Rockhold's chin is so bad, even Michael Bisping knocked out Luke Rockhold. So imagine me seeing Paulo Costa at 8,700. Minus 360 favorite. Just bet Paulo Costa to win inside the distance at minus 165. It just it's the easiest bet on the card. Minus 165 for Paulo Costa to finish inside the distance. Easiest bet on the card. Just take the money. Take the money. Paulo Costa's going to knock him knock him the F out. The only question is, does he knock him out in round one? The question there is, the, the round one bet is plus 165. The only reason why this line isn't higher... I mean, is it lower? It's the, it's the fact that people are afraid of Luke Rockhold getting this fight to the ground and subbing Paulo Costa. Because Costa can be very sloppy at times. My whole thing is, uh, Rockhold has not fought in three years. There is likely to be more than enough nerves and rust in that first round where he is not going to be sharp enough to get that takedown. And as long as that's happening, I think it's very likely that Paulo Costa just, whether it's a question mark kick or just a straight punch to the jaw, it doesn't have to be a clean flush punch to the jaw. I think any punch to the jaw is going to drop Luke Rockhold at this point. I, I, I just don't, I don't see why Luke Rockhold's taking this fight other than he just wanted to cash from the USC on a pay-per-view fight to finish out his contract and take the money. He's already blasted Dana White about not paying fighters 
like it seems like Luke Rockholt is just here for the money and the paycheck. And Paula Costa is also fighting for a new contract, whether it's at the UFC, where whether it's at uh, Bellator. You know, he's looking to put on a show. And I think he's going to have a highlight reel knockout against Luke Rockhold. That That's just the way I look at it. I just think he's going to knock out Luke Rockhold. I don't see, like, to me, this is the most straightforward fight. I'm pretty much going to be locking in Paulo Costa across the board in my lineups. Maybe not a full 100%, but at least 65 to 70%. It just doesn't make sense, like, with Rockhold. The biggest thing for me with Paulo Costa is there may be a chance because Costa again, is not the smartest fighter that he he uh, he uh, gets himself in trouble in round one and somehow gets up. That's literally the only chance I give Luke Rockhold is somehow Costa does something stupid and gets himself uh, subbed early while they're both dry. If this gets into uh, the second and third round where they're sweating, I, I'm sorry, Luke Rockhold's going to sleep. It's just one, one of those things I'm going to be betting quite a bit on Paulo Costa to knock out Luke Rockhold. That's just my number one play for the uh, uh, the, uh, the UFC card today. Above all else, Luke Rockhold is going to sleep. That's my prediction. So we'll see from how it all shakes out from a DFS perspective, from a betting perspective. But that is my number one takeaway. If you guys take nothing else away from all of this, is Luke Rockhold getting knocked out. So... That is my recap of the fight card, and we got this done in about an hour, so I'm going to get on out of here. Uh, but just to summarize, Paula Costa, Marab, uh, Paula Costa, the Marab uh, Aldo winner uh, would be my picks, along with having exposure to the Alto Murano and the Silva fight. I think that that's where you really need to make your decision from a core standpoint. And then the rest of the pieces kind of fit themselves together from a DFS standpoint uh, because of those coin flips. But that's where I think the winner's going to be, in, in my opinion. So I'm going to get on out of here. Best of luck to everyone. Have a good one, folks. And until next time, be good. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets.